But first, the sad news today, that Body Shop, a revolutionary skincare group created by the late Dame Anita Roddick in the seaside village of Brighton in the 1970s, has gone bust just 18 years after her death. And I think it's a big lesson for professional managers as to why they should never lose sight of what made the business they run now great in the first place. And what Anita Roddick did was create one of the original purpose-driven brands long before it was trendy to do so, and her customers loved it. They really did. Now, it's unclear what it means for Clicks, which operates the brand in South Africa, and they're not ready to talk about it yet. There must be a little shell shock. They've put a big investment into Body Shop in South Africa. Somebody who's built a brand based on values and purposes, Ian Fur. He founded Sorbet in South Africa, and it's been fascinating over the years, Ian. I'm sure you've watched it with great interest. As Body Shop has moved away from Anita Roddick's core principles, which made its early fans love it so much to be run by private equity players and accountants and chase the bottom line rather than chase the mystique that was what made Body Shop great in the first place. Thank you, Bruce, and thank you again for having me on the show and chatting as always. Yes, I, I think it's, it's a fairly typical thing that happens when the founders eventually sell their business to the corporates or the private equity companies and there is a loss of focus. And, and it's very difficult to emulate that. I, I don't think they, they do it on purpose, but they just, just the DNA of the corporate is more focused on the bottom line than it is on, on the people side of the business and obviously on the purpose side. So the power of purpose is, is, is so amazing. Uh, you know, you really can get employee engagement and motivation. If you have a clear purpose beyond just making profits, it inspires and engages employees on a much deeper level and improves things like motivation and productivity and commitment and stuff like that. And the theory goes, if you get that stuff right, yes. then the money flows mm. in. The trouble is, when founders sell, they, they they generally will take a long-term view. When the buyers buy in, they are measured on the growth that they can generate out of a business. And the first thing you tend to see happen when large companies begin to take over founder-run businesses is they start to say, oh, that's expensive. Oh, that training, we don't need that. What do you mean that everybody needs a foot rub on a Friday morning or whatever it is? Um, it, yeah. it tends, therefore, to, to run out of steam quite quickly. And the company that people joined, the company that people supported, is no longer the company that they joined. Yeah, absolutely. So what happens is they start to put profits before people instead of people before profits. And that, I think, is, is the key to the whole thing. That's the paradigm shift that takes place when you get corporate ownership of a founder business. And and that, I, I suppose, if you don't understand what what made you great in the first place, which is exactly what you said earlier, and you're just thinking about the bottom line, and there's always pressure, particularly short-term pressure, to, to show a return on the investment. So so it, it's no surprise at all that people start to take second place along the hierarchy of priorities. And so that's what happened, and slowly but surely it just waters down until you're just a normal company again. And, and, and the customers have lost that, that incentive because they love that. That's what creates loyalty for the brand is that they can align with the purpose of the organization and often share the values. 
so so Anita Roddick was amazing at that. You know, she she came along, she started advertising and using women, everyday women, you know, of all shapes and sizes, rather than the skinny beauty queens that they often use in, in beauty company advertising. And that was the first thing that started to change. And then she was involved in all kinds of philanthropic type things and she made sure there were natural products in, in, in the makeup of the, of the, of the beauty products they sold and things like that. So, so that was long before the norm now, which, which is a very strong focus on, on natural and organic products. She was already doing that back in the 70s and 80s. So it was quite a remarkable business and I think very, very difficult to emulate when these companies came and took over. Now, Sorbet is no longer under your control. You sold it uh, to Brian Joffe's yes. Long for Life. They then sold it into private equity. And I suppose, I mean, you must be watching Sorbet, although you've got no say in the way and things work there, with a degree of trepidation that the business that you built may not be the business that you built five years from now, for argument's sake. Yes, I, th- I think that's always the challenge of a founder when you sell the business and the whole family that I was involved with, my whole family was there and we moved out. It's always the risk, unfortunately. But but I'm not in a position to say whether or not that, that culture yeah. has, has been solved. But, but, but certainly it, it is a very different environment. It's a very, very different environment. We, we didn't focus much on the bottom line because we thought that culture was the bottom line. And if you created a strong culture and a strong purpose with values, you would then see the money follow from that. So, so that was the, the, the change. Now it's the other way around, I, I imagine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with changing culture. There's nothing wrong with changing purpose. But make sure that there is a culture. Make sure that there is a purpose. Because uh, when you remove that, then there's nothing to coalesce around as customers and as people who work in the business. I mean, Anita Roddick, you mentioned a few of the things that she did in terms of marketing Mm. to regular humans, but she also sold her products at a premium. Body Shop used to be expensive, and you got a sense that customers sort of felt like they had part ownership and they were fighting side by side with Anita Roddick against the killing off the rainforests and um, using only ethically sourced products and and not having animal testing and people felt like they were part of a movement rather than just customers of a place where they got their favorite kind of cream which is fantastic because not many companies are able to do that and that yeah. movement was amazing so when you're part of a movement and, and you really support and you become a champion of the organization you become its best advertisement at the same time and and people are, are willing to pay a premium for that and you know to be part of that so so that was really amazing what they did. Very few companies get that right, to be honest. Um, so, so that's what made her so remarkable, is that she had this, this this tribe of people that supported her in everything she did and were willing to pay a premium for the privilege of being part of that movement. Ian Fur, always a joy to chat to you. He's the founder of Sorbet, the Hatch Institute, and of course the author of a book called Culture Nearing, the importance of culture within organizations. And yeah, cultures change, absolutely, and there's nothing wrong with that. But when it changes to nothingness, and that's the sense you get, the business at Anita Roddick, and people were very cross with Anita Roddick, because she probably knew she was dying when she sold Body Shop to L'Oreal in 2006. Um, and L'Oreal, very good at what they do. But 
a different business. Then L'Oreal sold it in 2017. Um, they made a bit of a profit on the original investment, but not much, only about a 20% gain over over more than a decade. And then, by then, I think the bean counters were out in full force. And then earlier, uh, late last year, we saw the sale from the Brazilian owners to a private equity group, which has realized the accounts are in an absolute mess. They got uh, they didn't meet their targets over the Christmas season. And already, I think in December, we're talking about selling the European and UK shops off and now putting it into administration.